Hello, I'm Greg Mead, this week's host of Shreeponia's One Breath Podcast. It is our intention and our prayer to engage in powerful and intimate conversations with people many of us may consider or even refer to as ordinary. But I assure you, as you listen today, you will experience a human being that is anything but ordinary. In fact, they are extraordinary, extraordinary in their courage, extraordinary in their love, extraordinary in their intention and purposefulness to live as a gift to you and to me. So please attune your heart, attune your ears, and listen. And I assure you, I am almost certain that you will not be disappointed <laughs> um hi greg <laughs> how are you rita so good to have you back we're i think we're just gonna call this rita's corner <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it i don't even know what we would i don't i don't know what i would call my own podcast so i think yeah. rita's corner is a good foundation yeah and then we can like build on the title as as yeah. we go. Yeah, just before I hit record, you were asking me a question. I know. I was really curious as we're sitting here in the pseudo studio, and I asked Greg, like, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Yeah, that, that's a beautiful question. And most people, I think, would consider me extroverted mm-hmm. because I, I love people. I love the connection. However, I heard a definition because that never really, I, I've never felt extroverted. Mm-hmm. And I heard a definition one time that really resonated with me. And it was, where are you rejuvenated? Yeah. Where does energy come to you? Mm-hmm. And it's always been in the quiet place. Or maybe one, you know, just intimate conversations that that's where I receive energy. Mm-hmm. And so I would definitely call myself an introvert that loves people. Yeah. <laughs> but I find that when I'm with people, I'm that's my exhale. I'm I'm giving energy. You know, I'm not replenished mm-hmm. in big crowds or parties or things like that. So yeah, yeah beautiful question. What about for you? I know I as I was asking the question I realized how like binary that question is so I really like that oh you, right yeah I really like that you kind of brought it back to like what the definition is mm-hmm. um, because it is just very it's very layered um, and I, I'm really similar to you I I feel I feel rejuvenate well I feel rejuvenated in the quiet and I also feel and but not in this like overt way like some folks will just like take a break and then we're like oh I feel refreshed and I've noticed that I like to take like a really long amount of time alone um and then it's really subtle um and then I can kind of feel my energy build back up um but also in like really when I'm in very energetic spaces that are resonating for me that's also very energizing so it could be like at a concert of like a musician I really like 
or at a party where like all of my loved ones are there. Mm. Like I can feel really energized, um, but just my um, my energy level is just really short. So I'll be like very energized and very engaged for like an hour or an hour and a half and then I'm like asleep. <laughs> so I would probably, I have a lot of extroverted tendencies and I have a lot of skills that lend towards extroverted type activities and like if those weren't required by many of the systems that we inhabit I'd probably spend a lot more time like alone and quiet yeah I I, I totally that resonates for me yeah yeah there's and it's it's part of the energy so why don't we start there what what do you do how do you find the recovery from a life of service mm. and the giving and the being at service that you that you are and that you do yeah um, uh that's it's a really good question and it's a question i often ask myself every day <laughs> um and I was actually having a conversation with another mental health therapist about this same exact topic yesterday um, because output is a really important part of my job and showing up and using my presence and my body and my spirit as a tool to support others. And one of the ways that I really replenish that is trusting in folks' own like innate awareness of themselves of like what their needs are instead of shutting myself into like what they need like oh if i do this then this will happen or if i act this way it will have my perceived like um idea of success and so that that can be like a huge way of me draining like my own energy when I'm working with other folks. Um, I think more in the broad picture, the way that I replenish myself the most is stopping, like stopping everything. Like something I learned in recovery was the pause. Mm -hmm. Pausing was not, was not a part of my life before I got sober. And I really, really, really thought that the only way that I could survive and thrive and have the life that I thought that I wanted was to not pause. I was very, very committed to that idea. And it wasn't immediate that I really saw the benefit of taking, taking space for myself. I... I saw the benefit like over time and I like take that breath not because I that it's been an exhausting journey per se to learn the about my own kind of self and what I need and how that ties directly into my spiritual practices but um because when we live in a culture that you are referencing Greg of to give, 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 produce, 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 you know, capitalism, it has to look this way and you have to continue to strive for the house, the car, the 
promotion, the whatever, um, actively saying, no, I'm not going to do that is also a level of exhausting. (laughs) Right. If you step out of that game, Mm -hmm. it requires something of yourself Mm -hmm. to be able to be willing to be a stand Mm -hmm. and not engage, you know, to become conscious we had discussed a little bit in our last episode together that you know one of the things you said to me we were we were talking and um talking about these systems and i i had asked you a question i can't i can't exactly remember what it was it was something to do with how do we how do we get beyond where we're at regarding white privilege and the things that we were discussing and you just looked at me and said you've got to be willing to give it away give it up and as it relates to capitalism and what we deal with these systems that constantly are promoting the fact that you got to grow you mm-hmm. got to consume more um, to say, no, I don't think that's the game I'm going to play anymore. When you consider that, Rita, like finding a new game, so to speak, to use that term, and I don't, I don't use that term to like make light of this mm-hmm. desperate situation we're in, mm-hmm. but at, at some point we need to change our minds or we get to change mm-hmm. our mind about the way we're going to live on this planet and with one another. Mm-hmm. How have you found the strength to do that? I mean, I don't think that I'm doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me more about that. That's an interesting reply. Yeah, I mean, I think I I think it's a practice. Like I think that I actively try um, in so many aspects of my life to not like fall fall into the go like the grind and the you know the like the banking lies the investments that won't really be here whenever like when I get to an age where you cash those in and all of those parts like systemic that that system that folks really talk about is you know, this finance, these financial institutions is from like 80 years ago, 70 years ago. It's just not, it's not sustainable and it's not something that's actually going to yield the product or result or that folks are really like wanting um, or like think that they want. Cause I don't think anyone really wants to work a hundred hours a week so that they can have a perceived retirement. That's actually not going to be there. Um, So, like, having that knowledge, I think a lot about the importance of, like, community support and having abilities to work outside of the system. And that can be kind of, like, a scary thing to say because, I mean, like, you know, the legal system and money are so closely tied with one another that, like, oh, well, you're going to do something outside of this system? What does that mean? You know, and, like, I think that, 
you know, most of the systems are really committed to us continuing to pour money or financial resources into, you know, places where they, they aren't going to be later on. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like heartbreaking for a lot of folks. And I think that a lot of the things that I'm saying right now, people are like, Ma, Rita, you don't know. And I was like, we're watching like the economy collapse right now. Like we're watching all of the prices for stuff going up. We're And we're watching folks not being able to access basic basic services and it's not going to get better um and i say that with a lot of compassion but also because i fervently believe that we have to start working outside of that by you know producing our own food creating communities that are really willing to support one another looking outside of like nuclear family looking outside of this like very cis heteronormative idea of like how folks have to behave in the world like it's about dis- <laughs> it's about deconstruction deconstructing and abolishing all of these systems that really hurt everybody which i think we talked a little bit about yeah we did um and i just I mean, money is all white privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Like folks either, you know, grow up with money and they really understand it or they don't. And then they continue to attempt to survive in a system that doesn't want them to. Yeah. When I was young, a young, a young man, I just had a heart to serve. Yeah. I, I wanted to be in this world and not have money be the reason I got up in the morning. And I I didn't have the wisdom nor maybe even the the, the psychological or sp- emotional or spiritual strength to follow my heart. Mm-hmm. And so I spent the better part of my life that money was what it was all about. Yeah. And, and I invested my soul and I didn't invest it. <laughs> there wasn't much of a return. Mm. I sold my soul and spent the better part of several decades suffering. Yeah. Successful in, in what people view as success. And at some point as we wake up, money can't be what what wakes us up in the morning no because it's soulless there isn't anything in it that uh, has a return for us and so what you mentioned is like a return to communities mm-hmm. and the and the uh, illusion of the nuclear family mm-hmm so speak to that what what is your vision how are you seeing how are you seeing like communities coming together where there's mutual support yeah so that we get to experience life Mm -hmm. support one another uh contribute we all get to contribute but not in the fashion where my contribution is just so that my bank account 
has more zeros behind the comma, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. What it makes me think of is like when I, I don't know if it was when I was in my undergrad or in graduate school, but I was like looking in this book and it was talking about like queer and trans communities and this term like chosen family, which was coined by like some queer trans person in I think the 70s about like how you know transphobia and homophobia was so prevalent and still is today um so folks had to create their own families and so there's like elders and then we have siblings you know there's drag mothers there are um yeah, all of these kind of like different roles that we all actively choose because we believe in supporting and furthering um, folks' development and because they are often, you know, rejected and abused by their nuclear family. And so like that's one way that I've really seen that show up like in my life is having a chosen, like a chosen family who who just like shows me every day that I not that I am worthy because I think that's such an internal process um but a mirror of the worthiness that I'm trying to see in myself and a mirror of kind of like what we were talking about earlier Greg of yeah it's really hard for me to hear positive feedback and so we need like folks in our lives to right. kind of reflect that to us. And I think a lot about recovery community too, because before, you know, before I got sober, um, I had like a small support system. But when I got into recovery, someone looked at me, and I will probably say this quote forever: <laughs> "Is we will love you until you can love yourself." Oh, man. And I have cried for hours over that. I didn't think that was possible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it was the first time in my life I experienced mm-hmm. what people would refer to as unconditional love. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have to come, walk into the rooms of, of the 12-step uh, world and perform. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to become someone in order to gain approval. I was just accepted mm-hmm. right where I was at. Mm-hmm. And in real time and in real life, I've had the experience of getting phone calls mm-hmm. saying, hey, I'm moving. Can you bring your pickup and mm-hmm. help me move? Mm-hmm. So there's a real type of support as well, not just the encouragement for recovery and sobriety, but the real kind of help that matters. Yeah. You know, even in this, even even in the culture that has been created, even as a white person, I experience fear and trauma around the fact if I can't produce for myself, mm-hmm. I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. There is no support. Mm-hmm none yeah and that is that is a frightening proposition for someone who has 
been viewed and and has had that privilege. I know. So hello, I mean the system that's been created doesn't work for anybody. I know. Anymore, it doesn't work for anyone anymore. I know. So what the hell are we gonna do? You know who do who do we? There's there seems to be this unspoken invitation to 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 transform and become. Mm-hmm. To step back into a consciousness of community and support mm-hmm. and mutual uh, respect. Yeah. Just even like listening to you say kind of those last few statements, Greg, is so hopeful to me. Because, like, I. So many folks who share identities with me. I don't even want to speak with them. I don't want to speak for them. Sorry. Um, Just like with the identities that I hold, all I want so badly is to have someone who holds your identities to just agree. Like, this doesn't fucking serve us anymore. Oh, sorry. No, (laughs) it's not like we've got to be, what's the the governmental organization that handles the airwaves like back in the day that doesn't exist in podcast world. (laughs) That was really funny. Um, But yeah, it just, it doesn't serve anyone. No, it doesn't. And that we can, we can come together in it not serving anyone. Exactly. And it has to be a majority of us saying that it doesn't serve us. Because it can't just be all of these like little islands. Like folks have to come together with many different backgrounds to really create a world that is livable for everyone. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. For everyone, and uh, you know, it reminds me. I don't know if I've shared this. Um, I'm in one of the episodes, but there's a lyric with one of you in one of you two songs. That it says, they say that what you mock will surely overtake you. Yeah. So you become the monster. So the monster will not break you. And the culture, the society as it exists today, not just in the United States anymore. Mm -hmm. This is a global condition. The human condition has arrived at, uh, uh, the proposition is consume, consume, consume. And we're destroying ourselves, one another, and the planet. And so you're beginning to speak to, to, okay, where's the call to come together to realize that we can't do this on a nationalistic basis, an industrial militarized basis, nope. an industrial food system basis. Nope. It's like we fall on our knees and say, help. Mm-hmm. And we say that to one another. Yep. Walk, let's walk one another home to a sustainable way of living in the world. Yeah. We have to. Yeah, because it doesn't even work for the people that have created it. No. No. I feel like in this moment... A little bit of hope but overall like overwhelmed in the in the gravity of all of it 
um, yeah, it's not, it feels, it doesn't, it feels heavy. I also feel like it's in a, a really imaginative space also because everything that's been done before, not everything that's been done before, but a lot of the things that have been done in our recent history is ineffective. And so it's an opportunity to throw all of that out. And it feels really theoretical as you and I are talking about it. And like when you look out the window or you look at the news or you look at the way folks are treating one another and how there's this othering and separation that is just so pervasive in all cultures um, based in race or ethnicity or um, financial or you know gender or whatever it is yeah it's just it's it's separation that continues to to kill us and I guess I I want to say it because it feels important to be said not because I'm not saying it because it's like a shock factor of some kind because I think that's often where that gets kind of lost mm-hmm. like they're like oh you're talking about folks I not oh just often like bigger systems are like oh you're talking about surviving or you're talking about people being killed but that is like small or it's not happening here and I'm like but it is it's just happening in different ways. Yeah. And the commitment to systems continues to perpetuate the killing and folks being stuck in survival. Yeah, I live with I live with both hope and overwhelm. Yeah. Yeah. I do. And and the and my as I as I consider the future mm-hmm. of not just humanity, because I think that is either even an illusion that if we if if we concern our enough if we concern ourselves enough with the with humanity then we'll solve our problems yeah that's arrogant that's othering yeah indigenous peoples all over the world don't other uh they don't other and separate themselves from i think we may have even talked about they don't they don't separate themselves from the tree people mm-hmm. and the fish people mm-hmm. and the plant people. That they are all brothers and sisters. And that sense of connection is what I think is being, we're being invited to reconsider how to reconnect. Mm-hmm. There are 8 billion people on the planet. We may not be able to do it like the plains indians did Mm -hmm. right in the way they lived but that psychology that promoted that beautiful way of life gets to become a psychology that we can incorporate and integrate within ourselves so that overwhelm of this this goddamn problem is too big Mm. gets to be no we can gather together and and do things together that we cannot do individually yeah yeah and that like involves like giving land back it's Mm -hmm. about listening to like the indigenous folk 
that are here on the planet right now. It's about protecting them from the genocide that the United States government continues to do to them every mm -hmm. single year. It's just all of these different pieces that like folks that we can protect them from and like ask to support them and build relationship with them. Um, because I don't want to like assume like my indigenous roots are on the other side of the world mm -hmm. and the, you know, the way that folks who it's now called the Philippines live is very, very, very different than like living here on this land. Mm -hmm. I think our conversation is really interesting because it's these many intersections of these very large questions that we're kind of navigating every single day and so important and I can also like feel like in the overwhelm the paralyzation that happens when like the grooves I know in my brain are like okay we'll get up and just go to work or like get up and you know do this and this and this and then reading the books or having this conversation with you or talking to indigenous folk who live here in central Oregon, it's like, oh yeah, there's so much more opportunity to step out of that like very well-paved path, um, which is slowly grinding us all down to dust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Contemplating the, the, the uh, immensity of the problem can bring us to that place of just being paralyzed. It's like, what the hell's the use? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I'll eat plant-based food and I won't use as much water in my shower, but beyond that, what the hell am I going to do? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I know. The, what the hell am I going to do? Well, it's such a huge, it was such a huge part of the government being like, oh, well, if you just recycle, you'll save the planet. It's not true. Yeah. We could recycle everything right now. We're still not going to be able to save the planet. Like all of the greenwashing that happens is like not like not what's going to save the planet. It has to be really extreme political action including abolishing a lot of those systems. Yeah, I and I think in fact I see it with a, a couple of different approaches. Mm -hmm. One is the political activity that needs yeah. to occur effective political activity yeah. and not just complaining about the current state of affairs mm -hmm. so there there has to be some wisdom that that is going to come into the conversation that begins to break down yeah. and disintegrate the, the the power and the grip that the current yeah. psychology has the other, the other approach, though, at the same time that I believe is every bit as critical, is that there are those that will be called to like be activists and directly take on the current systems. Mm -hmm. And there are many of us that are called to begin to wake up individually and then begin to come in and okay, the system's going to go do whatever the system's going to do, but but you and I, Rita, can come into community together and let the system do what it's doing mm -hmm. and then create a, a community within the world we live in 
to begin to provide the support in the world that we can imagine and then can live into. Mm. Yeah, I want to be in that community with you, and I definitely am now. But like my calling and my progression in life is just so to be the activist, just yeah. banging on the door every. Thank, you know, and <laughs> thank God, thank God, Rita. Uh, there, yeah, there is. That's required. Yeah, that's required, uh, and it's required on behalf of the the community that that you would advocate for because of how you identify in the world and i would invite you to to experience that calling to include a much much greater problem yeah yeah i definitely think it does and i definitely something that i've learned kind of in in the work i've done over the last few years is like you just don't do stuff alone Mm -hmm. like i had an experience a couple weeks ago where I said yes to something because I, I wanted I, I wanted a different outcome, so I was already really attached to that, <laughs> um, and it, it didn't go well. And and I think a part of it was, I, I don't think, I know part of it was because I did it alone. Oh, wow. I just, I, I talked to folks before it happened, and I wasn't alone, like when, when the event was happening, but just can always ask for more more feedback and more support and some things are destined to not go well or have a different perceived result and like I want to bring folks along I don't I don't want to be the single person standing up there Mm -hmm. that is not not it I just don't think it's effective I think folks get really attached to like personality and like different details about the individual person and they really and it and the message and the systemic abolition and all of the values get really lost and it ends up being like about the people like personality yeah and i'm like well it's not effective <laughs> yeah actually it's not and in fact i think i just shared this i had jarek lovey mm-hmm. on the the podcast just the last episode yeah we were talking along these lines and I think we're done with the charismatic personality that that is going to be our savior yeah I mean that is definitely a white thing you know yes. it's it and and it, um it that that doesn't work anymore no the uh the, the charismatic individual with the truth mm-hmm. doesn't work anymore no and so you know, there is an invitation, I no doubt, and I would ask you to like respond with how it lands for you, but we're being called into, you know, what the what the Hindu uh, world would call Sangha mm-hmm. or the Buddhist world would call Sangha. It's the it's the coming together mm-hmm. and the wisdom and the love and the power that is required happens within those communities. Yeah not with the great teacher and the order that is going to bring the truth so that we can all be saved. Mm -hmm. That's, that's not where our, that's not where our future lies. And there are people that, that are much wiser than I that have been very clear 
that we probably ought not continue to look for that person. Yeah. That we find it within ourselves. Yeah. Individually and then collectively. Mm-hmm. You know. And just like know that everyone has like strengths and roles. Like it's never that a person doesn't have something to bring to to the group or to a vision or to to the new birth of something. It's just everyone has unique skill and a different perspective and approach and that's so important to me and and I say that and also what I can feel in my body is just like there are folks that I feel adverse to there are values in this world that I'm like I don't I don't understand see or resonate with that at all (laughs) um because I don't want I think what's really always really important to me is like when we talk about spirituality and like coming together, that is true. And like no human is perfect. Mm-hmm. And that my my values will always lie in the survival of folks who were barely given a chance. And so that's usually the the community and the gatherings that I resonate and I come towards like in recovery. Like we're a lot of a lot of people who thought they weren't going to survive and it just creates a really different texture of a community mm. and we love we love deeper and have have soul connection and that's how i feel like when i'm interacting with like my queer and trans siblings and that's how i feel when i'm interacting with other people of color it's like we have a shared experience and understanding um of survival and like loving in that survival there there is something occurring that that sense of survival needs to begin to like yeast spread itself that that realization that we are in survival as a species Mm -hmm. and as a planet and that 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 sense of wow this is far beyond our ability to fix Mm -hmm. with the systems we've put in place that have actually caused the problems so if we're going to survive how are we going to do it so what you and i've experienced in in recovery and finding a way like many many people you know what is it Jesus, Jesus said to a couple of folks, take up your bed and walk. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had that experience in our own lives, in our recovery. It's like we were not going to survive. And somehow, with the help and support of a beautiful community of people, we've been able to take up our bed and walk. Mm-hmm. And not only just walk, but then turn around and extend a hand and a contribution to many others that gets to happen in the world we live in but maybe like our own experience Rita in recovery is maybe the world hasn't gotten to the point of feeling desperate enough to 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 bring a change of psychology Uh, what's that gonna look like not great probably not I think about I was told 
a few years ago, like, you can get off the elevator early. You don't have to go to the bottom, 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 bottom. And I wish, hope, and pray for that every day. Mm-hmm. I also know the movement and inspiration that comes from being at the bottom. Also, the degradation um, and suffocation that happens there. Um, but also, it's like you begin to progress upward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was scary as an individual. <laughs> I know. And then when you roll it out into, you know, we scale it globally. Yeah. It is terrifying. Yeah. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but I would suspect that you were relatively resistant to arriving at that place of turning around and finding a new way of living and being. Yeah. I was hella resistant. (laughs) I think I shared with you, I was 56 years old when I arrived at that place of I can't continue doing what I'm doing anymore. And just scaling that out into what's occurring on the planet. It's the same type of, uh, what is it, you know, we've heard, uh, it, it requ- it's gonna require a massive psychic change, sufficient enough for us to begin to learn to be different yeah. and to transform the way we even approach our daily lives. Yeah. And I think what you mentioned earlier, stepping back into community and mutual support has got to be a huge part of that consciousness. Oh, yeah. I also think like how great for folks who like deeply understand the resistance to change to help others who don't even know how much they're going to resist the change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that's like it's so good to be able to be like yeah like right when folks start to get sober we're there and we're like yeah i understand that you're fearful of all of these future things or these things happening for you right now and i'm here to tell you i've also felt resistant to all of those things every bit of them yep everyone and i'm gonna sit here with you while you tell me all of the things that you would like to resist because that's it's important like you want to feel heard in that like that deep resistant place you want to know that like others have also been in that deep resistant place and they've been able to traverse or step over those barriers you you have to know that like on the other side of whatever there's like someone there that's like i did it yeah i yeah that's that's where the strength comes from is we're walking in a community and with people that can that can turn and say just keep coming i've done it and if you if you need i can show you how i did it i'm not going to tell you how to do it no you've got to you get to figure that out that gets to be the experience of you becoming someone you never thought you could be Mm -hmm. but i can share with you how i've done it Mm-hmm. yeah yeah because it's it really reinforces that idea of like 
take what really resonates with you and then leave the rest. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this skill helped me, you know, around craving or this skill really helped me when I had to have that hard conversation with my partner or talk to my parents or find a new place to live or, you know, create all of these like new, new ways of living. And it won't, it won't be the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it has to become new ways of living. And the saying that we've heard often is you can't think your way into a new way of living. Nope. You have to live your way into a new way of thinking. Yeah. Because it requires taking action. Yeah. In order to begin to change the the thoughts and beliefs that have brought us to where we're where we've ended up. I know that's why the paralyzation is so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> because they're like I read the books about how all of this is going really poorly. I have seen the videos or watched the documentaries or, and I'm not saying that you should not do research. I think you should definitely do research and read and then you have to take action and then you have to do it. Even if it's just like having a conversation with someone else about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Having a conversation that discusses the problem, mm -hmm. and yet there's an extended invitation to move beyond the problem. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of, and, and I agree with you, Rita, that I need to have the information of what's not working, why it's not working, and the filmmakers and the people that have written the books and have done the, the scientific research, I, I'm so grateful mm -hmm. for that because it does stir something yeah. within me, within us. Mm -hmm. However, I think just being stirred up, many of us think that that's what else am I going to do? I'm, I'm really, I'm really pissed off. I'm really upset. Yeah. But then to your point, am I willing to take action to change my life, to transform my beliefs and my habits and my destructive patterns. And then I'm willing to have, sit down and begin to have conversations with people just like me mm -hmm. who have destructive patterns and behaviors just like me yep. and extend an invitation to consider something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really, really, really cool because anger is the emotion of change and movement. You are being fueled from the inside to step into action. Mm -hmm. That is what, that's what I believe that reaction is. It's like, oh, you're angry. You want to do something different. You want to change. You want to move your body. You want to reach out to someone and have a conversation. You're like, I don't know what to do with this anger. It's like, you do something, you know? It's like when I, you know, when I get angry, Usually before, before I talk to anyone, I usually yeah. like, <laughs> I usually go for Like I go for a run or like I'll, you know, move my body in some way. And it doesn't, it doesn't make my anger go away. It just is like, oh, okay, I'm angry. Oh, I feel a lot clearer on why I'm angry. 
now I can talk to someone about it. You take the action to talk to someone about it. Oh, yeah. Here's what here's the concern that exists in that that if it doesn't take long to 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 observe the fact that people are angry but they spin in the anger and it's like a snake eating its tail yep. it will if that if the action if wisdom doesn't come and action isn't taken that that anger will destroy me mhm well yeah so it, because i've been there I, I've been in that place. There's such a difference from having anger arrive that that takes that and the wisdom show up and the right action appear, mm-hmm. right? To step into action. There's life in that. There yes. there is there is there's power in that. And the kind of power that that um, inspires transformation and change. Yeah. However, if I get pissed off and I stay in that place without action, and I become the victim of all of this stuff going on out there, mm-hmm. I'm consumed by that same action. So it requires the wherewithal to let that, to, to have the emotional experience, have that gift show up, and then have the courage to take action. Yeah. And if you don't know what to do, ask. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes if you don't know what to do, you don't have to do anything right now Mm -hmm. until the right action appears, Mm -hmm. until the right action arises on its own. Mm -hmm. But that's not the time to stay in resentment, victimization, Mm -hmm. and rage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's so interesting that we're like talking about that because so much of the anger that I feel are things that I can't do anything about. Mm. Um, I was going to have a a very intense conversation with someone um, and I decided not to because I didn't feel like it was going to serve either one of us. Um, I felt like it was actually going to end up being hurtful. Um, so I decided not to. Um, And the reason why I decided to do that is like, it's not actually any one person's fault that I feel so angry about a system in a world that is adverse to me surviving and me being alive and living a full life. And like that level of like deep, deep anger is so hard to live with and I guess like when I said I don't know what I do that's not true what I do is I talk, I talk about it yeah I talk about it and I educate folk about it um and like thinking about the pause is like I was very determined to tell this person exactly how I felt about what the choices that they had made and I was like oh yeah that's not that's not going to serve anybody <laughs> and we I I love being able to have that knowledge because I think I would have ended up having to then make amends to that person, mm-hmm. which would have been really hard for me. Yeah. Very humbling and very probably very good for integrity. And But just being able to sit with it allows me to feel like I was in my integrity and being able to say, like, mm, maybe it's not the most beneficial. And, like, 
sometimes when I think about the way that the systems are created and how angry I feel about like how folks are treated, anger just doesn't even feel like a suitable descriptor. I want to have a more powerful <laughs> word <laughs> and not in the justified anger that you and I like have like talk about in 12 step, but like in the way of no matter what, like the, I, the idea that comes into my head is like, oh, if I do something different, then I won't be angry anymore. And the reality is, is like, I actually don't have control over what's happening out there. And I think that's, I don't think that my experience of that is, I don't think it's just Rita's experience. Well, I think I, lots I, of folks feel that way. In fact, Rita, that's what I was going to suggest is that the immensity of those those big feelings, mm -hmm. those big emotions, that's a collective groan. It's a collective grief. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's warranted. I don't think it's I don't think it's a small group of people that are experiencing yeah. the groan of like, God damn, this this you know, this shit just ain't right anymore. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, that I to have the wisdom to 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 be able to embody those those big emotions and yet not let it destroy who you are and the gift that you that you get to be, you know, because the wisdom and I I'm almost going to sound prescriptive, but that's not my intention, but I want to encourage you Rita that that these things that you're carrying that in the pause the wisdom for the action to take will show up it just will come because it's who you are hold hold the anger when it comes you don't have to be afraid of it i don't think because you're in good company and yet you are someone who's called to be in action with this and you know, you are, you're mature beyond your years. Oh. And I, I mean that you just are, I've, I've known you for a little while now and you've been given something to carry into the world from, from within who you are and, uh, just keep taking the steps Thanks. and you won't miss it. No, you no. are not going to miss your calling. <laughs> no. How, how could you? Couldn't. Yeah. I appreciate you saying um, to not be afraid of it because I am. <laughs> uh, I'm often afraid of my anger um, so much of like being a Filipino American is about, uh, you know, the assimilation. And so much of like the Asian American experience is like the model minority myth. And like we don't get angry, and we don't, we don't do, we don't do those things. You continue to stay quiet and try and, you know, be as as close to that idea of perfection so that you can, you know, have have tried to have privilege that you'll never have because you'll never be like other folk. Um. And so I find myself a lot of the time feeling 
very empowered to express how angry I am and then also deeply afraid and I feel shame about it too and that yeah it's a constant balancing act and and I say that from a place of vulnerability but just like in honesty of that we are all like progressing in our own in our own ways yeah there's for those who are called to give voice the term we hear often is speak truth to power yeah. uh, many of the speeches that i've listened to from martin luther king jr mm-hmm. and beyond the big glorious speeches that even white people think are grand mm-hmm. he spoke truth to power mm-hmm. in ways that in ways you know that we I, I, I would have never been introduced to some of the words that he spoke had I not been curious about the condition of things mm-hmm. to find out what was really occurring in his heart and mind. And I can't help but think that that, that sense of justice and mercy both arriving in the world is something that that you carry and the groan you feel and i'm gonna god forbid i i quote something from the new testament but there's a verse that that resonates with within me and see how it lands for you but it it says all creation not just human beings says all creation groans and waits And so there is a collective grief that, we're, that, that I think the earth itself, that all creation is sensing that, God damn, something, something needs to show up on our behalf. But again, it's not going to show up from someplace out there. It has to arise from within us. Yeah. And it has to arise within enough of us that we can affect the transformation because yeah. we don't get to you know i think i may have mentioned this earlier they ain't no savior coming i know they ain't no jesus coming to save us from what we've created here we are that i resonate with the we have to kind of we have to be in action and we'll be the ones that show up for ourselves and our mm-hmm. community um and I just like I I'm thinking about like what you said about like justice and mercy. I'm like, oh wow. That's big. <laughs> One without the other is not gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I I guess I, I hear what you're saying and I also feel um I just feel like a, a small fish in the ocean. And I and I and and I like that. <laughs> yeah. I just, uh, yeah, when we're talking about calling, because after our last podcast, I've been reflecting a lot on kind of how I ended up here. Um, and it just, it's just, it's always been there. Like before I got sober, after I got sober, I've just always strived to be 
integrity. I already, I always knew that the world was not just, and I just bucked against it. Hmm. Yeah. Last week in our school of recovery, we were talking about the topic was attention. Mm -hmm. And so I invited all of us to consider those early years of our like late teens, you know, those years of, yeah. whoa, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to make a difference, yeah. you know, to, to, to go back and revisit that emotionally and, and, and to just remember, to remember that time and then move forward in your life with all the circuitous things that have occurred, all of the events, mm -hmm. all of the distractions, all of the side roads, all of the dead ends that have occurred, and we're in this moment. Pause for a moment and see if you can connect to a through line that's been there. And you just mentioned it. You've carried this your whole life. There's been a through line that you were, you were birthed in, into being who you're becoming. Now you're just becoming conscious and choosing it. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Yeah, I remember like in, I think it was in kindergarten, which is like farther than late teens, but or much earlier, I was educating my entire kindergarten class about the Philippines, <laughs> um, which was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Probably also the teachers and the administrators, um, but I just like remember very vividly explaining the difference. Um, oh, beautiful. Yeah. And just how that, just that very specific, you know, five to six year old Rita and now being 31 year old Rita and really having pretty similar conversations almost 30 years later. That's beautiful. I mean, that that is, in fact, I'm going to suggest that uh, we like bring this conversation to a close mm -hmm. and marinate with this, so that the next time we sit down, we begin to talk about what that interim period, what 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 occurred to to marinate you in into into who you are right now. I mean. I I, I agree. Yeah, I just, that, that that's such a beautiful, you know, you've been marinating in the juices of that little five or six-year-old that knew exactly who she was. Yeah, yeah, she was spunky. <laughs> and, that's, and, and that's changed how? Rita. It hasn't. I, I, don't yeah. think, I don't think it has. It's not, it's yeah. not. It's, it's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It gets to be embodied and it gets to be expressed because mm -hmm. that's, yep. that's what we get to do. Yeah. So Rita, thank you so much for sitting down. I am really going to be looking forward to our next conversation. I know. I like that you put that plug in that I'm excited to. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. <laughs>